Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Today we are wrapping up our series that we've been in throughout the month of January called Priorities. And over this month together, what we've been doing is challenging ourselves to reshape the things that shape us most, the priorities in our life. In other words, those things that get the most of our time and our energy and our attention, those are the things that shape us. So whether you realize it or not, whether you're going to confess it today or not, you have priorities in your life. Maybe they're not written down, but you got priorities. And they shape who you are. And so in this series, we've been reshaping the things that shape us the most. And so if you're here with us in week one, we talked about three different firsts that we're going to give to God, the first of our day, first of our week, the first of our resources. Um, and then in week two, anybody remember where we went? We, we talked about prayer and the priority of prayer in our life. And then last week was been just an incredibly special, significant time as we talked about worship being a priority for us as we seek and follow God. And so here's where we're going today as we wrap up. I want to conclude this series by looking at the result of making and keeping these things as a priority in our life. In other words, today we're going to see the byproduct of what happens when Jesus is what matters most, when these things become a priority. So if you got a copy of scripture, let's go Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament. So go towards the second half of your Bible. Romans chapter 12, we're really just going to be in one main verse. And if you don't have a hard or digital copy of scripture with you today, um, we'll put all of the verses on the screen behind me so that you can track along. Love for you to take notes so that you can remember what we talked about today. In Romans uh, chapter 12, and specifically in verse 2, which is where we're going to be, here's what Paul talks about. He talks about the transformational obedience that should be present in the life of everybody who says that I'll follow Jesus. Every Christ follower, here's the transformational obedience that happens. In essence, here is what Paul is saying. He's saying, here's what happens when following Jesus becomes a priority in your life. If you said, man, I'm a Christian... Here's what happens when following Jesus becomes a priority. Romans chapter 12, look with me at verse 2. Here's what Paul writes. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the first thing that I want us to notice in that verse that we just read is where Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. See where Paul said that? The reality is every one of us, whether we realize it or not, have a natural tendency to conform to the patterns of the world. Like you don't have to make conforming to the pattern of the world. You don't have to make that a priority in your life so that you'll chase after it. Like we just all have a natural bent to lean in to the priorities of the world. Now, later in the New Testament, we read some very direct words from John as he writes about what happens when we conform to the patterns of the world. So look with me at this verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John writes and he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Then look at verse 16. He says, For everything in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Here's what John is saying. Living in the pattern of the world prevents us from living in the pattern of God's priorities for our life. Don't miss that. 
You cannot live in the two patterns and conform to the two patterns at the same time. It just will not work. And then in verse 16, we saw that John, he kind of sums up what are some patterns of the world? What are the three big patterns of the world? Did you see it? Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And John lays out each of those. And so here's what we're going to do. I want to take a minute and I want to look at each one of those because here's, here's the logic behind this. If we don't want to conform to the patterns of the world, then we need to do what are those patterns that we don't want to get sucked into, okay? So if you're tracking with me, we're going to look at each one of those. The first one, John said, is the lust of the flesh. Here's what this is. The lust of the flesh is this pull. It's the pattern of the world to chase physical pleasure in things all right, that are outside of God's purposes for your life. We could say it this way, lust of the flesh is the, satisf- the desire to satisfy our flesh. It brings, fl- it brings pleasure to the body. That's the lust of the flesh. So let's give some, some real world cultural examples of that. All right? An example of lust of the flesh would be the pattern of the world to engage in sexual uh, activity outside of marriage. Okay? The world would say, not that big of a deal. I mean, really, like everybody's doing it, right? You got to test drive the car before you buy it. So not that big of a deal. I mean, just... Everybody does it. The scripture says that's lust of the flesh. You're, you're satisfying the pleasures of your, of your body outside of God's design. Right? Lust of the flesh also looks this way. It plays out when we believe that, that a drink or a drug or something else will, will satisfy us. That the world would say, like, hey, no, like you need it. It'll numb the pain. It's a, it's a relief. It's a release from the world, the things you have to deal with, the worries of this life. And Scripture says, no, no, no. When you chase that most and, it, and it, you pursue that, like that's lust of the flesh taking root in your life. Or it could even look at it's like something like this. It could look like gossiping. Which we go, well, hey, like, that's not that big of a deal, right? The world would say, like, that's, I mean, that's pretty innocent. I mean, kind of everybody at the workplace does it. Like, we, we put somebody else down, kind of helps us feel a little bit better. And John says, no, 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 like, that's lust of the flesh taking root, pulling you in, conforming to the patterns of the world. So there's lust of the flesh. And the second one John listed was what? Lust of the eyes. Now, lust of the eyes is the pattern of the world to look at things, to fix our eyes on things that we should not lock into. Okay, so for some people, let's just go there. Like this goes as deep as pornography, which, which just becomes rampant as an addiction. I mean, studies show today that over 50% of men um, struggle with pornography monthly. Monthly. Like that's one out of two guys. Just do the math. All right, but it's not just dudes. Like it's women too. It's all over the place. And let's be real. Like you, you don't even really have to search for that anymore. Just turn on the TV. Just scroll through your social media feeds right there. Lust of the eyes just sucking you in. Okay, but it's not always quite that deep and quite that gut-wrenching, and it's like, man, I I know maybe that's wrong, but I'm sucked into that. Sometimes lust of the eyes also plays out through what we see and then we desire. We see it and then we desire it. So let's, let's go practical here. Some of you women, all right, some of you love to watch HGTV. Anybody just willing to confess before Jesus and all your church family? I'm an HGTV watcher, okay? Anybody want to do that? Okay, all y'all are liars. All right, but you watch HGTV. You got your show. It's like Fix Your Upper, Chip and Joanna. Oh, they're awesome, okay? Or Love It or List It or Flip or Flop or Bip or Bop or whatever. I don't know, okay? Like, you, you have your show, okay? Listen to me. That's this awesome. There's nothing wrong with the shows. Here's what happens. I want you to see what happens, how that plays out, because I've watched it, all right? You watch your show, whatever it is, they do the deal, and then you turn it off, and then all of a sudden you look around, and you go like, our house isn't that nice. Our house would never look like that. Oh, my goodness. Like, we could never, we'll never have those kind of, look at me, lust of the eyes just pulling you in. 
just dragging you in. Okay, fellas, before you elbow your wife, listen to me. Okay, here's, here's how it takes root in us, all right? Here's what it looks like. You see the ad for that big new four-wheel drive pickup truck? Yeah, you do. All right, or your buddy pulls up at work, and he got the new truck, and you're like, wow. All right, and all of a sudden, you got to have one. Like, your vehicle still works. It goes A to B. Like, you're getting to work every single day, but all of a sudden, like, yours just isn't good enough anymore, right? You got to have the new truck. You saw it on TV. It was on the commercial at the football game. Got to have that thing. Lust of the eyes just, just pulling us in. Or, or how about this one? This one kind of just, man, hits everybody in the house. You open up the phone, and you click on your social media channel, and you just start scrolling, and what happens? Then you look at their family and their job and their money, and their trip, and their looks, and you go, man, I wish I had that life. Lust of the eyes, man, pattern of the world just pulling us in. And John says, Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of the world. So there's there's lust of the flesh, there's the lust of the eyes we see, then we desire. And then what was the last one? He says, it's the pride of life. And here's what happens with the pride of life. The pride of life is the pattern, uh, is the pull of the world of our lives to desire greater power, greater honor, greater recognition, greater uh, prestige for ourselves. It's that thing in you that like when you do a work project with a coworker and you go like, well, why does all my co- why is my coworker getting all the, the you know, credit? And I mean, I did the whole thing. They didn't really do anything. They weren't here. They took vacation two days. Like, why am I not getting some recognition? See, pride of life is that thing that just wells up in us and we kind of like think it and sometimes we even say it because some of us just go there and we're like, I'm it. Like, I kind of feel like everybody else around me should know I'm it. It's that thing that goes like, well, does, it, does anybody see how really good I am at what I do? Does anybody see that? And see, while some of us would go, man, like that's just, that's just being successful. And John would say, man, it's the pride of life just pulling at us, just grabbing us. And we saw in Scripture that the pattern of the world looks like, it looks like the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Listen to me. These are things that we do not have to fight to live in. These are things that we have to fight tooth and nail to live against. We just easily conform to them. We just wake up and we just go that direction. And so Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Look back again at Romans 12 and let's see. What he says next, Romans 12, 2, he says, do not conform to the the pattern or the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says the way that you fight against those patterns of the world is through being transformed. The opposite of conforming is being transformed. You tracking with me? If we're not conformed, we're being transformed. And then Paul goes on to say, here's how that happens. Look at this. He says, here's how you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what Paul is saying to us. The mind is a powerful place. The mind is a powerful place. And out of it come the thoughts and intentions that prioritize and shape our life. It starts right here. And so Paul says the mind must be renewed. It must be renewed. So here's what we're going to do in the rest of our time. I want to give you three steps to renewing your mind and ultimately renewing your life. Okay? 
if we're, if we're reshaping the things that shape us most, then I believe these three things will help us renew our mind and live a transformed life. And so track with me. We're just going to go three big words. I want to make it as memorable as possible so that it becomes something that you just walk in in your life, okay? So the first step to living with a renewed mind that transforms your life is to remain. That's our word, just remain. And here's what we're saying. You must remain faithful to the priorities that God has given you in your life. We've talked about them all series long. Listen, John 15, Jesus talks about the importance of remaining. Look at these verses, John 15, verse four. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know if you saw that, but five times in two verses, Jesus said, remain, 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 remain in me. Jesus actually says, he says, if you remain in me, then I can produce great fruit, great things through your life. But did you catch the counter to that? He says, if you don't remain in me, then I can accomplish nothing of eternal significant value through you. He says, remain in me. Now, during this series, if you've been with us, and I realize probably not many people have been here all four weeks, but what I've attempted to do is try to lay out for us from Scripture the things that God calls us to, that if we make these a priority, these are the things that shape our life. Not as just like things we heard on Sunday, gave a little amen, went home, and we weren't different. But like if you practice these things, if these things become disciplines and priorities in your life, that they will literally reshape who you are. So here's what I know. You, don't, you, you weren't here every week. You don't know every one of them. And sometimes we need a reminder. So that's what we're going to do for a second, right? You remember all the way back to week one, we talked about what? We talked about giving God three things, our three firsts, that, that order matters. And then we said that with the first of our day, we'll seek God. So if you missed the beginning of the series, like here's where you catch up, right here, Cliff Notes, okay? With the first of our day, we'll seek God. If you, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, that means there's a relationship and there must be relationship time together. In other words, there must be a time of seeking him. And so we said, God, with the first of our day, I'm going to seek you. And one of the primary ways I'm going to do that is through engaging your word. You've given that to me, so I'm going to, I'm going to engage your word. And I reintroduce to you um, just a tool that we use in our spiritual family called our Life Journal and, and the Life Journal Reading Plan. And so this year in 2019, we're challenging everybody in our church family, no matter where you are in your faith journey, no matter how young or old you are, to read through the New Testament one time this year. That's one chapter a day, five days a week. I got confidence in you. You can do it. One chapter a day, five days a week. That's it. And some of you, maybe a couple of hundred of you were like, yeah, we're ready. And you jumped in. And so if you're new, you missed it. Okay, right now behind me on the screen, you're seeing instructions, how you can jump in. Just text the word Bible. Pull your phone out right now. I'm not offended. Text Bible, B-I-B-L-E to 601-397-6111. Here's what's going to happen. Every Sunday night, you just get one text. Just a reminder. Hey, here's this week's readings. Man, let's jump in together. That's it. All right. And you engage God's word. Here's the thing. Okay. And this engaging God's word, seeking him with the first of our day, it's not like just like a good 31-day thing to start the year off with. Like, we'll give it to January, and then like, we're yeah, we got other things. No, like it's a 365 days a year. God, I'm seeking you, and you are changing who I am. At the beginning of January, um, I got a text from a man who's a part of our church family here. And 
Last year, man, he took on this challenge to remain. In 2018, he took on our, our challenge last year in the Life Journal to read actually the whole Bible throughout 2018. And he shot me a text back at the beginning of this year. I wanted you to hear what it says. It said, Bryant, what started a year ago today is now finished. Before January 7th, 2017, I had tried many times to read the Bible and I'd failed each time. I allowed doubt and intimidation in my mind to always lead me to I give up scenarios. This past year has taught me many things, but most importantly, that it's not up to me to fight doubt alone. I can believe in myself because Jesus is my center. Real man, just like some of you. Husband, he's a dad. You know what happened? He goes, man, I'm going to remain. I'm going to seek God with the first of my day. No matter what it takes, I'm locking in. What I heard, what I believe is that he's reshaped because he chose to make God a priority. And we, were, we lock in, we seek God with the first of our day. But then there was a second first. You remember that second first that we talked about on week one? And that was to give God the first of our week by worshiping him together with our spiritual family. We said, God, man, the first of my week, every week, man, I'm seeking you together. I got a spiritual family and I matter and I belong. Now, real talk. Life gets busy. Life gets crazy. And I'm just telling you, I don't even know all your names. But over the next 11 months of 2019, your world's going to get turned upside down, inside out. You're going to have all these different things. And there's going to be so many things that are going to come into your world to cloud and to cause you to make gathering with your spiritual family, definitely, particularly in this environment, is going to just make it drop less and less and less of a priority on your list. But God is telling us, he's, he's reminding us right now. He says, man, it matters. It shapes who you are. Look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Scripture says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25, he says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Apparently this thing's been going on like thousands of years. He says, but why would we do it? Because it encourages one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's what this means, real life talk. This means if that's going to be a priority for you, there's going to be weeks over the next 40-something weeks or so that we got left of this year where you're going to have to push a little bit. And, so, and Saturday night's going to come, and Sunday morning's going to come, and you're going to have to go, man, it's been a long weekend. It's been a long week. There's a lot happening. But you know what? Man, being together with the spiritual family, it matters. And so we're, we're going to be a part. It's a priority. It shapes who we are. And, and particularly, I'm looking at some men and dads and leaders in the room to say, hey, why don't we, why don't we lead the charge? Why don't we lead the charge? To go, man, it's a priority. Here's what that also means for some of you. It means there's probably going to be a moment, maybe a week, a season, where over the next 11 months or so, somebody in our spiritual family is going to frustrate you. They're going to tick you off. Some of you, like it happened over the last 27 days of January, like, hello, here we go. How'd you know? Okay. Because it happens and we're all sinful people and we just live in this big family together and we just make each other mad. Okay. And you know what that means? The enemy is going to come to you and he's going to go, I mean, you need to use that. That's your reason, really. Decline. That's why you don't need to go. Right? That's, that's, you know what you tell him? You don't rule over me. You don't reign over me. And you don't tell me what matters in my life. And so I'm going I'm to, in your face, I'm going to go. And I'm going to watch what God wants to do in me. 
And we'll settle this thing later, but I'm going I'm I'm to make it a priority that matters in my life. Last week, we had over 400 people get together. One of the coldest mornings, like just honestly, one of the coldest mornings of the whole year. And because they showed up, man, they got a chance to be a part of one of the, men just the richest days of worship and expression to God that we've ever had in our church family. Because they made it a priority that matters. And we, we worship together. We go, God, that's a priority that shapes who I am. But there's a third one. You remember the third one from week one? Is that we would trust God with the first of our, our resources. To bringing our, our tithes and our offerings to him. Remember what we said? A, a tithe is the 10% off the top. It's the first of the income that we bring in. And then here's what I know. Over the last just three, four weeks, some of you, like you've taken that, that big old step of faith for the very first time. Or maybe for some of you for the first time in a long time. I mean, I've, I've already heard stories of like how, how God's honoring your obedience as you trust him. You trust him. I mean, real life talk, can I be honest with you? Jesus, Jesus says in scripture, he says, here's the number one competitor for your heart and mind. Money. That's the only thing in scripture. He said, you can't have two masters. You can't serve me and money because he knew we would try. And so here's what that means for you and me. That means that there's going to be weeks, there's going to be moments throughout this year, the next 11 months, 2019, as we're following Jesus together, where it's going to be really, 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 really hard to justify bringing God the first of your income. Like, seriously, God, the first, like, we got this thing to take care of, then you can have some of the rest of that. But you know what God says at that moment? He says, bring it anyway. In fact, here's exactly what he said. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, look at what God says through his word. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that's his house, that there may be food in my house. And look at this, back up. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, God looked at us and he goes, just try, just try. And he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I want to be on the other end of that. And man, I believe it because I've lived it firsthand that when you trust God in one of the hardest areas, if not the hardest area of life, your money, when you trust him with that, you'll trust him in any other thing. So man, we make that a priority. We go, God, I'm trusting you. Remember week two, what did we talk about? We talked about the priority of prayer, of keeping that up front and center in our lives. And here's what I know. Some of you have already found how hard it is to remain in prayer because like the first few days after that message, like a couple of weeks ago, you were like crushing it. You're like talking to God all the time on the way to work. God, how you doing, man? Just talking to you at lunch. Like, God, bless you for my food. Thank you for my food. And, and how you doing, God, man? Would you speak to me? Man, you were crushing it. And now we're like two weeks away from that message and you're going, been like five days and I ain't talked to God at all. Like maybe we should bless lunch today just to get just strike the conversation back up, right? I mean, it can be difficult, but God gave us prayer, we said, as a, as a powerful weapon and a gift. It's not religious motions. It's not impress those who are listening with our big churchy words, but it is the way that we know him. It's how he communicates with us and we communicate with him. And maybe for some of you today, like you need to just start a commitment. You go, God, one minute a day. I'm going to pray. 60 seconds, like one minute a day. And then that grows to, to five minutes, and then it grows to 10 minutes, and then you begin to learn like it's a continual conversation of your life just between you and God. So here's what Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. He says, rejoice always and pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And finally, last week, as we hit week three, we said what would be a priority? That worship would be a priority. And we really define worship just as worship is what you give worth and value to. So the reality is we're all worshipers. Whether you realize it or not, you're a worshiper. I mean, last week, God just challenged us and he grew us in our worship to realize there's really only one who is worthy. And God deserves our worship of awe and of abandon, abandonment and with intimacy. And last week, man, I, I really believe, as Josh said earlier, that God began to open up some things in some of you. And for the first time maybe ever, like you begin to grow in your freedom of your response to God. Because we took it back to a really simple place where we said worship is just telling God thank you for who he is and what he's done. And some of you been took that step. Can, can I just be real with you today? The enemy would love, he would love for that to be just a a one-time, one-moment ordeal. He'd love for you just to kind of forget about that thing. But what we're saying here is that God is calling us, he's challenging us to remain faithful in expressing our worship to him because it begins to shape who we are. So worship becomes a priority. And Jesus says, he says, remain in me, remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. But, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Reality is, we as a people have a horrible tendency to not remain. We have a horrible tendency to fall off, to take the comfortable route, to go back to the default. But what Jesus is saying is that when you remain in me, when you're connected to these priorities I've given you, you will know the joy of living life on purpose, that I'm shaping, that I'm growing, that I'm drawing closer to me. And so to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we choose to remain in the priorities that God's given us. And I want you to see something that happens when we walk that out. The second step to renew our mind is to release. Release. The second step to renew your mind is to release the patterns of the world and of our past. We said it earlier that we so easily conform to the patterns of the world, whether it's the lust of the flesh, the the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. We've all conformed to the patterns of the world on some level, like nobody's, nobody's not conformed. And so what we see here is this truth. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Scripture says literally to throw off any pattern of the world that keeps us from living in God's priorities for our life. Now, reality is, you, before you can throw it off, you've got to identify what it is, Right? So here, here's a question to help you identify what is it, right? When I was going through that list earlier, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, like which one of those like just kind of create a little check in your spirit? Like when I was going through that list, which one of you, mm, that might, yeah, there's been a battle. See, whatever that is, that's probably the pattern of the world that you've conformed to the most, And so what scripture is saying here is to identify what that is. And for all of us, it may look different. Maybe it's selfishness or anger or greed or addiction or pride or jealousy or sexual impurity or placing something else before God. Identify what that pattern is that you are conforming to and then throw it off. Release it. That's what Paul is saying. Do not conform. 
literally let it go from your life. But here's the problem today is that some of you, some of you enjoy your pattern of the world too much because it helps you feel comfortable. And maybe it brings you pleasure on some level or it makes you feel, feel powerful to a certain extent. Or maybe it causes you not to have to live in too much faith and you're kind of okay with that. But can I be honest with you? It's robbing you. It's robbing you from knowing the joy and the purpose of living life with God as the highest priority that shapes you most. And here's what God is saying today. Release it. Let it go. Don't conform to the pattern anymore. No, 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 like I'm going to hang on to it a little bit. Like we'll have this little part of my life. No, 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 let it go. Release it. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind, we remain in the priorities. We release the pattern of the world. But there's one final step that I think is important, and that is this word, to reset. That we would reset. We have to reset our priorities daily. We've said it from the beginning today that our natural tendency is to conform to the patterns of the world, which are contrary to the patterns of knowing God. As long as you walk in the patterns, you can't live with the priorities. They can't coexist in your life. And so what we see here is this call to this daily habit to reset, reset the priorities that matter most in our lives. Jesus spoke this truth to his disciples which ultimately meant it's for you and me too. Look at this verse, Luke 9, 23. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross. What does that word say? Daily, daily, and follow me. In other words, Jesus says discipleship, following me, is a daily thing. Not just like, a one hour on Sunday commitment, but following me is a daily discipline to put me first and to make the things that allow you to know me and follow me first in your life. Resetting means this. Resetting means that we daily surrender. There's a moment every day, at the beginning of our day, we go, God, I'm giving you my purposes and my plans, and I'm picking up your plans and your purposes, and I'm asking for your power to help me keep those first. When I go to work today, that's going to be really hard, God. So could you go ahead and, and give me that power? God, when the kids get home from school, mm-hmm, you know what that does to me. And so would you help that be first for me? God, when Sunday rolls in and I'm supposed to bring my tithe and you know what the bills look like, would you give me the power to stay in that? I know it's right, but God, it's hard. I'm resetting. What we're resetting is we're going, I'm, I'm not going to set in the patterns of the world anymore, but I'm going to reset to a new pattern of my life because this is the one that reshapes me to live in God's purposes for me. And can I be just like real talk with you? One of the greatest ways for you to reset is to put other people in your life who are chasing after the same priorities. Like none of us are powerful enough to do it on our own. And one of the ways, one of the best ways that happens in our spiritual family it's through these things that we call life groups. It's just been hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people every single week gather in these little small groups called life groups for men, and there's some for women, there's some for couples, even some for students. You know what happens in those moments? And they, they share the victories of life together. They share the struggles of life together. They grow in their faith, and then they reset their priorities. Every time they reset, you know why? Because we found out we forget. 
and we start conforming again. And so we reset them, and then we conform, and then we reset. And it begins to grow our faith together. Look back at Romans 12, 2 one more time. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Did you catch that? I don't know if you caught it. Paul says, when you allow God's purposes to reshape your life, then you will know and you will live in God's purposes and priorities for your life. You will live in his will for your life. How many times have you asked that question before? Man, I wonder, wonder what God's will is for my life. God, I gotta wonder what your purposes are in this situation. God, what are you trying to teach me here? Man, we've all, we've all answered that, we've all asked that question over and over. And here's what Paul says: you can know. You, you, can, you can really know. Seriously, yeah, you can know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. How? You live a reshaped life. You live a life where God gets first in all things. Not questioning. God, you're first. You reshape me. You want, you want answers and guidance for that decision that you got to make with work or your family or your future? Man, you seek God first in his word. You give him the first of your day. You seek him. You listen to him. You want to live with hope in the middle of some hopeless circumstances that maybe you're in? Man, you make gathering with your spiritual family a priority. It don't matter what's going on, God. We're going to be there Sunday. Devil say whatever you want. We be in there 10 o'clock Sunday. We're going to be there. We're going to be a part of the family because we matter and we belong. And that's a priority in my life. You want to see God's faithfulness literally not just in Scripture but tangibly in your life? You trust him with the first of your resources and just sit back and watch him provide. You want to see God's power at work tangibly in your life? You make prayer an unwavering priority. It don't matter, God. We start with a minute. We're going to go five minutes next week, but I'm listening to you. I'm going to tell you some things, and we're going to talk about this. You want to, you want to live with a life with the gratitude, not allow the worries of this world to weigh you down? Man, you make worship at the top of your priority list. God, I'm going to tell you, thank you. It doesn't matter what's happening in my life. I'm going to worship you, give you the worth and the value that you deserve. Listen to me, church. When you remain in the priorities that God has given you, and you release the patterns of this world, and you reset daily what matters in your life, you will know the blessing of a renewed mind and a reshaped life. Let me pray for you. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.